it's one thing to um, say, I know the gospel, believe the gospel, we want to spread the gospel. But there's something that happens little by little with people, sometimes without knowledge. And that is to drift away from the simplicity that's in the gospel. And I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Jude. The book of Jude, right before the book of Revelation. The Bible also tells us there in the book of Galatians in chapter 2 about the um, Apostle Paul making the statement that we stood true to the gospel, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you, the truth of the gospel. It's easy to go to Florida Bible College or any college. It's easy to learn certain doctrines and truths. It's another thing to stay true to those teachings all the rest of your life. Now, here in the book of Jude, you'll notice there in verse 3. Verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. This is the body of truth, which not only includes the gospel, but the body of truth that God has given to us that we should be found faithful to, and the various doctrines that are found in the scriptures. But I definitely believe out of all of those things, it does include the gospel, which without understanding, there is no faith to defend. So I want to share with you something that um, has happened just recently. And if you can look on your notes there, are we still standing for the truth of the gospel? Uh, this is a little uh, conversation that I had. Please don't read ahead. Just let me go through it with you. Um, I was told to go to a link and I went and I checked it out because it has to do with, um, you know, Bible college. And uh, so some of it really catches my eye when it, uh, about the gospel and so forth. So um, a person wrote this and I looked it up. So you look there, I wrote, I know I wrote several weeks ago about the exciting things the Lord is doing with our network of PCA, churches in Polk County, Florida. We've now reached a point of putting together a website that describes our mission and vision for what's next. Seven new churches in the next five years. We want to transform Polk County with the gospel. Look through the site to see the vision and please pray with us. Well, I didn't mind that so much until I started reading what different ones that had gone to Bible College, Florida Bible College to be specific, what they were saying about this comment. And uh, I found out that some did not know what PCA stood for, which was the... Presbyterian Churches of America, and um, wants to get the gospel out. And you can, well, how can you be against that? And people that want to reach the lost, I mean, how can you be against that? So it's only natural for us to want to be behind anybody that talks about being saved. But let me tell you this now. There are Pentecostals that talks about getting saved and reaching people, true? And, and there's Church of God that talks about reaching people. Well, the Muslims want to reach people, the Catholics want to reach people, and the Baptists want to reach people, and everybody wants to reach people. And everybody's got a message that they're supposed to tell the people in order to reach people. So everybody's got a message. The most difficult thing is, is doing extreme betting, finding out which one has 
the right message because it's evident they're not all saying the same thing. So I um, looked there and I took off the last names of these people so that they're not, doesn't have to know who they are. But one named Wayne says, that's awesome. A lot of guys that I work with in prison were from Polk County. I hope they find their way into one of those churches. And I thought, okay. So I went on to the website that he was talking about and checked out what is their message. I had already had an idea, but I wanted to see exactly how they had it worded. So the next one, Penny says, been praying. I love the thought of daughter churches rather than huge churches. It allows the elders to help people grow in the Lord and know their gifts so they minister to others. Also, those visitors do not get lost. So smaller churches would be better than a huge church where people get lost and nobody even knows if they came or didn't come. So I, I didn't have a problem with that. But I saw enough that I um, didn't put everything in here, but I wrote a reply. This was my reply. Ralph Yankee Yarn. Since when has the teaching of the Presbyterian Church become an acceptable theological position of Florida Bible College alumni? If the comments of opposing views are to remain on the alumni page, shouldn't there also be someone who refutes these positions? I am ashamed that so many of our FBC alumni are so soon removed from the clarity of the gospel and are now praising the teachings of Calvinism. But I don't believe they all know that they do this. Or they don't see it. And they just hear, you know, evangelism. They hear gospel. They hear, you know, reaching the lost and uh, saved by grace. And so those are the terminology that we all love. So therefore we must be on the same page and saying the same thing. But that's not the case. But if you look a little bit deeper and find out what do you mean by what you're saying. We was always taught... Define your terms. You use a term or define that term. What do you mean by that? And so I, um, I wrote this. Right in the middle, look at their doctrinal statement and see if this agrees with the Florida Bible College statement of faith. Trinity belongs to the Presbyterian Church in America. A denomination holding to the historic Christian faith, committed to planting new churches in North America and ministering the gospel around the world. Our full doctrinal statement is found in the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Westminster Shorter and Larger Catechism. So I went to these and I looked at them and I highlighted some of their statements of what they say and what they want, what they believe. And so I wanted people to know what they said about the gospel. So, look at the next statement. Trinity belongs to the Presbyterian churches in America. And so, number three. This was a different one. I didn't quote their whole statement of faith. Just ones that revealed their position concerning the truth of the gospel. By the decree of God for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestinated unto everlasting life. And other, others foreordained to everlasting death. Now, in my mind, based upon what I believe the Bible teaches, that's heresy. That is not true. Though it may sound, you know, well, predestination. I mean, everybody believes in predestination. Their word is used in the Bible. But does this mean that God has predetermined beforehand who is going to heaven and who is going to hell? And it has nothing based upon whether or not, you know, they believed or not. It's just that God chose to save some and he didn't choose to save others. So I don't believe that. I believe God has chosen to save whosoever 
believes. Anybody who wants to be saved. But that's not what they're saying. They're saying that God, from the very beginning, has already chosen who's going to heaven, and the rest of them will go to hell. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's the truth of the gospel. The next statement. Number four, these angels and men thus predestinated and foreordained are particularly and unchangeably designed, and their number, get this, so certain and definite that it cannot be either increased or diminished. That means that there is a certain number that God has already chosen to be saved, and that number cannot be diminished or increased. Then if that's true, I put it here in bold, we were taught that this teaching, of which I still believe is fatalistic predestination, whether I witness or not, the number stays the same. Really? In other words, if I don't witness to a soul, if I don't become a missionary, if I don't go to reach those lost people in these different tribes and all those places, if I don't do anything, the number stays the same. It can't be increased, can't be deep. So why should I witness at all? So there's people who will witness on because they want to be obedient to God. But of course, they're just going through life trying to turn light bulbs and see which ones that God has already pre-wired in the back. And the only ones that can light up are the ones that God's already got wired. So all we're doing is going to the world turning light bulbs. No, I don't believe that. So you see, that does make a difference. So the next statement down here, number five. Those of mankind that are predestinated in the life, God, without any foresight of faith or good works or perseverance in either of them or in any other thing in the creature, as conditions or causes moving him thereto. In other words, what determined God's choice? If God chose somebody, they're saying it not because of their faith, because God knew they would believe. It wasn't because of any good works he did. It was just God decided to choose them. And anyone he did not choose, they cannot be saved. Because the number cannot be increased or decreased. That to me is not the good news of the gospel. It means that there must be some people that cannot be saved. I don't care how much we preach to them. Because God did not give them the faith to believe. The next statement. The Lord freely offered unto sinners life and salvation. Only those whom God chose. When you see RWA, that means Ralph Wilson Arnold. means I added that statement in there. They say, the Lord offered freely salvation by Jesus Christ, requiring them faith in him that they may be saved, and promising to give unto all those that are ordained unto eternal life his Holy Spirit. To make them willing and able to believe. Now what I have in bold there is in their statement of faith. It's the Lord who gives them the faith to believe. To make them willing. So they're able to even believe on the Lord. Because you see we're all dead. And unless God gives them the faith to believe they can't be saved. So God only chose to give the faith to certain individuals. Is that the gospel? That's not the gospel. So whether we witness or we don't witness, if God has already predetermined who's going to heaven, and it cannot be increased or decreased, then what we're saying is all of our witnessing is not necessary. My dedication, the sacrifice, is not really necessary because 
whatever will be, will be. And I don't believe that. So do I believe what they believe? No, I don't believe what they believe. And so, well, they talk about being saved. They talk about being saved by grace. They believe in by grace alone, in Christ alone, by faith alone. They say the same words that we say. So they must mean the same thing. No, they don't mean the same thing. Look at the next statement. Repentance unto life is an evangelical grace. The doctrine whereof is to be preached to every minister of the gospel as well as that of faith in Christ. So you're to preach repentance. Let's find out what they mean by that. Number two there. By it a sinner so grieves for and hates his sin as to turn from them all unto God. So are they saying that you've got to turn from all your sins in order to turn to God? Is turning from sin. Does that make salvation by works or does that make salvation by grace? It's by works. It means if you don't turn from your sins, God cannot save you. But they have to turn from their sin because God already chose them to do so. Now look what else. He says in the next statement, letter number three, let's go to number three. Although repentance be not to be rested in, didn't make any sense, as any satisfaction for sin or any cause of the pardon thereof, which is the act of God's free grace in Christ. Yet it is of such necessity to all sinners that none may expect pardon without it. So no repentance, no pardon. These good works done in obedience to God's commands, get this, and I underlined it so that you would definitely see it, are the fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith. So if you are saved, you will have fruit. And so the fruit becomes the evidence that you really believed it. That sounds so good. That sounds so spiritual. It's just that it's not true. So I wrote this little statement in bold. There are no visible evidences of a believer that guarantees one is saved. This is heresy. How do I know that I'm saved? Because I'm a preacher. Because I go to church. I give money. I pray. I give to missions. That's not the evidence that I'm saved. A lost man can do that. That doesn't make him saved. The only reason I know I'm saved is because the Word of God says that if I trust Christ as my Savior, He saves me and gives me eternal life. If I never produce one work, am I still saved? I'm still saved because I was trusting Him and I wasn't trusting me. So my works or lack thereof does not affect my salvation. It sounds spiritual to say so as though you're more godly, but it's not true. All Calvinists despise those who don't present their position as though they have the epitome of all knowledge and they despise anyone who doesn't rise to their level of intellectual accountability and credibility. Well, pardon me. I know what they believe and I don't believe it. Look at the next statement. Of the perseverance of the saints... Now, this is their statement. It's in their, of the perseverance of the saints. That's in their doctrinal statement. Since when do we believe that saints must persevere? They whom God hath accepted in his beloved, 
can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace. Eternal security. Boy, they believe just like we do. Not so fast. But shall certainly persevere therein to the end. If you're really saved, you're going to live and persevere to the end. That's the proof that you really were saved. But what happens to people who say they get saved and they don't persevere? They fall into sin and they die. So they can't say they persevere to the end. Because God's word says that many are sick and some are weak and some are dead. So they're dead because they weren't obedient. So they didn't persevere to the end. But they were dead, but they were believers. It contradicts the scriptures. It teaches error. Look at the next statement. As yet such as truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and love him in sincerity, endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before him, may, get this, in this life, be certainly assured that they are in the state of grace. So how are you supposed to know you're really in the state of grace? Because you walk in good conscience before him in this life and you love him sincerely. So that becomes the proof. So I wrote this little statement. We get our assurance from the word of God, not from the walk of man. Next statement. Not only those that do actually profess Christ in and obedience unto Christ, but also the infants of one or both believing parents are to be what? Baptized. That's in their doctrinal statement. Now, is this baptism of infants? Look what else. Although it be a great sin to neglect this ordinance, yet grace and salvation are not so inseparable annexed to it as that no person can be regenerated or saved without it. What? Anyway, that was just my <laughs> input. Now, in the shorter catechism where they try to define it in simpler words, so that you can understand it a little better, what is effectual calling? Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our mind in the knowledge of Christ, and renewing our wills, He doth persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. See, the Holy Spirit gives you the faith to believe renews your will, he does persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. Since when do we believe that God must first give us the faith in which to believe? So they say that when he says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. See, faith is not of yourself. God gave you the faith to believe. It's not talking about your faith. There's talking about salvation. For by grace are you saved. We're talking about salvation is by grace. And through faith, that's the means, but it's salvation. But anyway, look at the next statement down at the bottom of the page. We must turn away from being our own God. Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. While we know of unkept promises to do better, we repent is something much deeper to repent. To repent is to turn the opposite direction from where you have been headed. In other words, for example... If I'm walking this way, repent means to turn and go this way. So if I'm living wrong and doing all these bad, wicked sins, I've got to stop my sin and turn and go this way. 
And God will save me if I'm really sincere. And if I endure to the end, I'll be saved by grace. Now, if I don't do that, can I still get saved by grace? Grace means unmerited. But if I do that, then I deserve to be saved. It's a contradiction of the truth of the gospel. And this is why so many people do not understand, where are you going when you die? Well, I don't really know. I hope I go to heaven. I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. That's why they say things like that. Look at the second paragraph there. If, however, your hope is solely in Christ, built upon what he alone has done, it does have unmistakable effects. Now get this. The Bible teaches you that a real faith in Jesus will be proven in a changed life. Now that sounds very spiritual. You shall know them by their fruit. But that in the book of Matthew chapter 7 is talking about false teachers. The false teachers have a false message. And people who believe a false message have a false salvation. And they trust it in their words. Look what we have done. We've cast out devils, done many wonderful works. And Jesus said, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Not that you were saved and you lost it. No, you were never saved. I never knew you. So this is why these things are so important to understand. See, it's so easy to say, oh, we believe the gospel. We all believe the same way. There's no difference. Why be so picky? Because the difference is heaven and hell. That's the issue. And if I don't want people to go to hell, they've got to believe the gospel. And I want to have the truth of the gospel. I don't want it to get so deluded that people won't even recognize we're not necessary anymore. If our message is as good as all the other churches around here, then close the doors and just go to them. Why go through all this playing this game? Or it's not a game. Look at the next statement. After that bold statement, first, you will no longer wonder about God's character. You will know him. Also, you will be moved to love Jesus, just as he taught that those who have been forgiven little love little, but those who have been given much will love much. You will, you will, you will. But what if you don't? Well, then you've got reason to question your salvation. That means you didn't have genuine faith. No, look at the part that I put in bold. To state that we will is not the same as what we should. Should I love the Lord after I'm saved? But I might not. Doesn't the Bible tell us in God's word, talking to my, my little children, love not the world? It means I could. I could. I can love the world. My little children... These things right into that you sin not, but I can. Well, you won't. No, 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 no. There's a lot of difference between what you will and what you should. There's a lot of things that I should do, but I don't have to do them. And I'll still be saved. But when you say you will walk God, you, you will love God, and you will go to church, and you will pray, and you will give money. Well, what if you don't? That must mean you're not saved. It causes questions and doubts about the promises of God. And everything changes. Look at the next statement. Somebody wrote, I was going to try and defend Hart because I know some Presbyterians that are straight on the gospel, but I can't find a statement of faith on that page. So they looked and didn't find it. I did. Because I know them, they're straight on the gospel. Does it sound like they're straight on the gospel? No. It's not the same message. So I um, had uh, this man named Hart email me. But it's posted, and everybody to read it. This post was meant as an encouragement. 
only. It was my hope that the growth of the kingdom through the gospel presentation and church planting might be an encouragement to my FBC friends who seek the same thing, Christ alone, grace alone. See there. So now I am being rebuked because of my position. I guess I shouldn't have jumped into that beehive. But somebody needed to say something. And I wasn't going to let it go. Every time I do something, it costs me a friend. But maybe somewhere down the line, I might have made one. So he says, I have never and will never use this space to spar over doctrine. Well, he won't. He just presents it and then hope that nobody says anything. Most people here know who I am and my conversation to reform theology as a senior at Florida Bible College. Lee Stanford threatened to withhold my diploma at the time. I was not the first FBC student to attend Westminster Seminary. I have worked in PCA churches for over 30 years and am currently a ruling elder at Redeemer Church PCA, Presbyterian Churches of America. Did he go to Florida Bible College? Did he graduate? That's what he says. Lee Stanford threatened to withhold my diploma at the time. I don't know if he ever did or not. I don't know. I was only hoping to communicate by what we do share, gospel centricity, and a deep desire to affect our culture through the gospel and the expansion of the church. So I'm not, see, I can't question his motive. His motive, he just, he's just trying to help. He's just trying to encourage. But I don't believe his gospel. He's not qualified to teach a Sunday school class in our church. He may be the elder in a Presbyterian church, but he can't speak in ranch. Why? He don't believe the same thing. And you have to watch people that are very charismatic and are very articulate, but they're wrong doctrinally. Because they can win and sway and woo and cause people to believe that what they're saying is the truth when it's not the truth of the gospel. Notice the next statement. He says, I was only hoping to do this. So... He says, um, Christ alone. He said, as for the Westminster Confession, it has been a standard for evangelical Christianity since 1649. Well, that's okay. Mine goes all the way back to the first century there. Now, so I put this into bold. If you believe that a person is not truly saved, unless he proves it by his works, then you don't believe that faith alone is enough. Let me read it again. If you believe that a person is not truly saved unless he proves it by his works, then you don't believe that faith alone is enough. He's got to have the works to prove it. And if you don't have the works, then his faith alone is not faith alone. It's not enough. It's got to be faith plus works. Can't they see this? I am very aware of the FEC perspective on Reformed doctrine. I am very capable of discussing the issue, but I wouldn't do it here. I wish you every blessing in your ministry. Please pray for us as we seek to glorify the Lord through transforming Polk County through the gospel. And the person down at the bottom, I am ashamed to say I was not aware of these positions of the PCA. Well, he knows it now. The back page. I wrote Wayne back. Since he said a nice word, I responded to that. Many people are not aware of the dangers of Calvinism. I believe it is a sin to teach that a man is so totally depraved that he does not have the ability to choose, act, or believe on what God says. 
To believe that God must first give faith to a man of his choosing before he can believe on Christ is to state unequivocally that God is a respecter of persons. For those who teach that God has chosen from the foundation of the world a select few to be saved and go to heaven while the majority of people remain lost. Because doesn't the Bible say many on the road to destruction and few there be that find it on the narrow way? So there's more people who are lost than there are saved. So if God's going to do that and save anybody, but he loves everybody, he created everybody. Well, if he's going to give faith to a few, why don't he just do it for everybody? If he's not willing that any should perish and you can't be saved unless he chose, why didn't he just choose to save them all? Well, the Bible does say that God so loved the world until Christ died for all the people in the world. And then he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I don't have a problem in telling everybody, God so loved all of you. But a true Calvinist can't say God loves all of you because he doesn't know who is the elect and who is not. And so God only loves the elect. And I don't know, there may only be three of y'all in here that he chose to save. And the rest of you, well, you know, that's the way it goes. Where the cookie crumbles. That might be all right if you were one of those that he chose. But how do you know you are the one that he chose? You can't know it until you live your life. That proves you were really one that was elected. So they still don't know. But anyway, look at the next statement. For those who teach that God has chosen from the foundation of the world a select few to be saved and go to heaven, while the majority of people remain lost, condemned to hell, without the possibility of ever being saved because they were not chosen, is to be in total denial of what God said and what Christ did. The Lord has not authorized any man to alter his clear stated word that he commanded the entire world to hear, to limit the payment that Christ made for sin to a select few, makes the claim that God did not so love the whole world, or that Christ did not die for all men. This is to teach heresy, to teach that God's grace is so irresistible that the man whom God has chosen to be saved is helpless to resist, is also to teach that no man can be saved whom God has not chosen. This damnable teaching in reality denies to every man the choice of heaven or hell, leaving every man with no responsibility for his destination. What right does any man have to cause any person in this world to believe that God doesn't love him, Christ did not die for him, or that he could not go to heaven if God did not choose? The good news is that God loves all and that Christ died for all. God bless and always stay in defense of the truth of the gospel. Then that was my reply. Then I got another reply. Shirley said, I cannot understand how a person who knows the Bible can believe that the God of the Bible would not allow the majority of the people he created to choose salvation. That to me denies his nature. Now she is for what I'm saying. She's a good woman. I could have told you her name, but I chose not to. The next one, I got a response. If I didn't believe in the ability of men to choose Christ, why would I preach the gospel and endeavor to start churches? That's a good question. What is your real reason? Because is the lost man who can't be saved, can't be saved. And those that God chose to save will be saved, so you're not necessary. So why are you doing it? Why would you do it? Why do you have to tell anybody anything? 
Don't say anything and they'll still be saved. Well, because we want to, you know, reform and transform the county and, and people to, you know, live better, do better because they know Christian principles and so forth. But the issue of heaven and hell is not and cannot be the purpose of why they do what they do because they're already going to go if they've been chosen and they can't go if they haven't been chosen. Yeah, I got a problem with it. Down at the bottom of the page, somebody else decided to write to Shirley. Reformed theology does not say that God does not allow the majority of people to choose salvation. It does. All I got to do is just read Matthew chapter 7. Few there be that find him. It affirms that because of sin, no one left to themselves will choose to face their need of grace and trust in Jesus for salvation. So this is why God must give them the faith to believe. Because God has to give them the faith. However, in his amazing grace, God graciously, mysteriously worked to draw people effectively to change their minds, to repent, to believe. This PCA is a great partner for the gospel. Thanks, Hart Hogan. May God richly bless you. So he has rebuked me on other occasions, so I was not surprised to see him rebuke me here on this one. So anyway, I thought I would voice my opinion. And you'd be surprised at the people who agree with what they were teaching on the gospel. Supposedly sound people that believe, know the gospel, and train just like I was or Hank Lindstrom was. And so therefore I had to voice my opinion. I want to read just this one statement and then we'll close. Look there in the book of Galatians. Galatians in chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, and you'll notice in verse 6, Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that calls you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel, which is not another gospel, but there'll be some that will trouble you or pervert the gospel of Christ. He says, if an angel from heaven preach unto you any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as I've said before, as I say it again, anybody preach any other message, any other gospel, he says it's... Uh, let him be accursed. So now look in verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. My goal is not to try to please everybody, to please any man. Christ died for me. He paid for my sins. He told me what to say. Therefore, I want to be true to the truth of the gospel. If it costs me every so-called friend I've ever had, so be it. So be it. But either I'm telling the truth or I'm telling a lie. And I don't like what I see coming. And a lot of people are drifting away from the truth of the gospel. This church was very fortunate to have somebody like Hank Lindstrom that held y'all on course for 42 years and never wavered. And whenever he finished preaching the gospel, that was the same message he had when he started preaching the gospel. So I hope that helps you to understand just a little bit more. Look up here. And, of course, somebody might be listening by way of Internet. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. How many does he love? Well, just a few. He loves all. 
And so because we have all sinned, we're all condemned. But God is not willing that any man should perish. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell for all eternity. So God says the wages of sin is death, and we're all condemned, we're all guilty. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God, and nobody is. So the Bible says that God, who loved all of us, sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to pay for all of our sin, all of the sins, not some of them, all of them for everybody came back from the dead. And God says, go into all the world and preach this good news. I paid for all of their sins. So that anybody believe, whosoever will believe, can have as a free gift, have everlasting life. And God says, once you believe it, I give you everlasting life because you have no sins to pay for. He paid for all of my sins. That's why I'm going to heaven. If I do not have any change in my life, does not annul the pardon that I received. It doesn't annul my being declared righteous and justified. I have eternal life. And he'll never cast me out, never lose me, never take it away. That's the best news in all the world is to know that. And then to be able to, I don't care who you talk to, you can talk to them with all the sincerity in the world. God loves you. Christ died for you. I would think, well, I, that is if you're uh, an elect. But I don't really know. So I don't really know God loves you. But I, I hope he did. But just in case, that's not a message I want to talk about. I want to be able to tell everybody, look them straight in the eye, God loves you. Christ paid for all of your sins, and you can have eternal life. It's your choice. It's your choice. God has chosen to save everybody who chooses Christ. God is predetermined before the foundation of the world to save anybody who will believe the gospel. Therefore, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel so that anybody can be saved. And that's the best news I ever heard. Let's pray, shall we? The head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here tonight or you're watching by internet, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to know this. God loves you. And he, he loved you so much, he sent his son to die for you. And what did he do? He paid for your sins. And why did he do that? Because he wanted you to go to heaven and not have to go to hell and pay for sin. And the only thing you have to do is the only thing you can do. Well, you believe he did it for you. If you believe he did it for you, he gives you as a free gift everlasting life, and you get to go to heaven whenever you die. If you've never done so, would you do it tonight? Say, preacher, that made sense to me, and tonight I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. Say, that made sense to me, and right now I trust Christ as my Savior, and I want to pray for you. But I don't know who you are, and I want you to let me know by slipping up your hand very quickly and put it right back down. Is anyone at all? Just slip it up very quickly, put it right back down. Say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior tonight. I want to know for certain that I'm going to heaven. Anyone at all? If you're watching by internet, right on the screen, says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you will. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all that you've done for us, for giving us the free gift of everlasting life that we can offer to anybody in the whole world because you so love the world and you paid for the sins of the whole world. And help us to be true to the faith that's been committed to your saints. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.